Hello and welcome to this week's Sports Girls podcast. I'm Denise O'Flaherty. We have a real Donegal feel to the show this evening. We have our regular expert Nadine Doherty and we are delighted to be joined by Donegal footballer Katie Heron. So welcome to the show ladies. Well, as usual, we look back on the weekend's games and all the games were played today. Lots of league semi-final places were up for grabs while there was a relegation battle in Division 3. Katie, we know what the semi-finalists are now, a repeat of today's games because Galway are going to be taking on yourselves, Donegal, and it'll be Cork against Dublin. Galway defeated you today. You're already in the semi-final. Had that much of a bearing on today's game? Um, no, not particularly. Um Listen, goal, we were probably the better team today. We were we got out of the blocks pretty well and we started we started pretty well, but I think we kinda lost composure for a wee spell in the first half and, and they took two goals on us during that time and, and we never really recovered from it. Um they probably were more clinical than we were and I would say the scoreline didn't really reflect the game. It was quite a quite a good competitive game, um but it's just something that we need to bounce back from because we'll need a performance now in the semi final to try and try and bring us back. The fact that you're playing Galway again, you know, you, the two of you probably know know each other. Um, did both sides show their hands, or were they a bit cagey? Uh, no, I would say both sides just were, were playing for the win. Um, mm. I wasn't actually playing myself. I'm out injured at the minute. A um, couple of players out injured, so um, we were probably slightly under strength from our usual team, but but it had no bearing on the game. Um, Galway went out with their usual team and and played their usual style of football as did we and, and they came out in the top in the end so I would say we'll be looking forward to quite a competitive um, semi-final they're quite a, a physical team um, and that showed today they probably had more legs than us at the, in the last quarter of the game and that kind of showed um, so it's something we'll be focusing on now training in the coming week Will you be okay for the semi-final? Uh, yeah, hopefully <laughs> I better be <laughs> Um Nadine, then the other game, uh, Cork and Dublin um, in the other semi-final and the Rebelettes defeated Dublin by five points. Cork are beginning to get into gear now, aren't they? Yeah, very much so. It's kind of the Cork you expect mm. um, this end of the season. And with the Moore Abbey girls coming back a few weeks ago, they really, really injected that bit of pace and the scoring power that they needed. Um, I just read a report, a few reports on the match Um Cork seemed to put out the stronger team. Dublin again, very much an experimental side, but he he brought back Sinead Finnegan and a few other players like that, so he'd be happy with them getting a run. Made a lot of changes, though. Dublin seemed to ring the changes very, very early. Um, so maybe a few of the people he started really didn't work out. And then Cork made a huge amount of changes with um, say about half, 40 minutes gone. So I would say that both of those teams definitely had their eye on the, the semi-final and weren't really willing to give away a huge amount. Um, so, yeah. Um, but Cork will be happy with that because they haven't beaten Dublin in the league in a couple of years. So that will definitely give them a boost going into the semi-final. Yeah, and I tell you, two great semi-finals in prospect. Yeah, very much so. Um, as Katie was saying there, definitely I think the injuries with Donegal um, would have had a bearing today. Um, I saw young Tara Hegarty, she was in midfield for you, Katie, like, and, you know, that's a huge void to fill. And I'd say yourselves, you'd be disappointed um, having lost the core. You'll look to definitely hit standards that you probably haven't hit yet in the semi. Um, yeah, imagine. We, we probably went um, the opposite to everyone else in the league. We came out of the blocks uh, probably the strongest we ever have and have kind of probably slipped in performance since then. Um, and in terms of would Yvonne be back for the, the semi or even the final, 
Katie, or do, you don't know that yet, I suppose? No, well, I, no, I don't think she'll be back before the end of the league anyway. Um, okay. There's no death, no death death. No death. But hopefully you're, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, hopefully yourself and Geraldine will be back, and, and Neve as well, I suppose. Just getting yeah, and um, was off there today. So, like, you well, know, yeah. with the young team coming through, even one or two players do make a, a big difference. Definitely. Nah, um, and credit to them all. A few young miners come on today at the end of the game, which was a massive. They probably didn't yeah. expect that at all either. So, um, listen, it's, it's a growing process for us too. And I suppose we'd rather be coming out of the blocks and, and building game on game, which which most of the other teams are doing. But that's why the semi final will be very important to us it'll be a massive yeah. character now to see can we turn things around yeah. Speaking of Yvonne um, Sarah Rowe came on for um, Mio today scored a goal did a draw against um, Monaghan Yeah Yeah Monaghan, they drew yeah. yeah I thought Monaghan were up by 12 points I yeah. think at one stage which was incredible Mayo got a couple of goals at the end and then apparently at the end it could have gone either way but I think a big factor in that was Cora Courtney got Simbins and I think Mayo were able to build um yeah, Mayo, they'll probably be happy, I suppose, with that result today and I suppose to have maintained their Division 1 status, um, having had such a change in, in their panel and their team, no more than Donegal. Um, so they, they will be happy with that. And Monaghan, I'd say they just want to see the back of the league now at this stage and start building for championship. Because they came quite close there in their last couple of games. Monaghan, yeah, to get the yeah. win, I'd say. Um, they were pushing hard for it today. And plenty of goals in the Westmead game, Katie. Yeah, I just read that report coming down the road there. Um, Westmead put up a, a great challenge mm. just now in O'Donnell Park there. Very physical team as well. Um, so yeah, there was five five goals to them and three. Um, mm. Tipperary got three. Yeah. Um, I would say that was quite a, cause Tipperary are quite a physical team as well. So that would have been quite an interesting game. Yeah, I so thought there was a sin bin there. One of the Westmead girls, John Amar, got a sin bin. So I'd say there was a bit of rough and tumble throughout. Yeah. The- that's what you want, sure. In Division 2, one place in the semi-finals is up for grabs. Um, Cavan play Kerry next weekend and a win or even a draw for Cavan. And they're into the last four. Armagh and Waterford are already in that um, those semi-finals. Clare are also in a position, but as I said, Cavan have a chance. Cavan had a very good win over uh, an already relegated leash side today, Katie. So they're beginning to hit form at the right time, I suppose. They'd like to make a league semi-final, but for them, they're probably looking as well at championship. Yeah, again, for Cavan, um, last year they were unlucky to miss out. Yeah. And um, we would we'd meet them a lot and we played them in challenge games and stuff and, and they're always there or thereabouts. Like, it'll be no... No easy task for a team to put them away either. Um, likewise with Armagh, they're in flying form in the league. Um, we actually haven't had a chance to see any of the Division 2 games with the clash of fixtures. Um, but they are two teams that I'd imagine would be Armagh's in the, in the semi-final already. So I'd imagine Cavan will be pushing hard to join them because they'll end up meeting in championship at some stage, I'd imagine. Nadine, Armagh beat Wexford, kind of predicted that. Tyrone had three points to spare over Kerry. It's kind of been a, a bit of a topsy-turvy league for Tyrone. And then Clare beat Waterford in the Munster Derby. Yeah, great result for Tyrone. And I'd say, you know, they'll really, really take heart from that now going into the Ulster Championship. Um, again, a young team, but as you said, like, their their league form was really unpredictable. I think in the end up they only got two wins. Yeah, but two put in, yeah. yeah, but like you would have felt the way they were going, they won more. You know, that kind of way. Um but to beat Kerry today they'll be delighted. I'd say Kerry possibly may have 
put out, you know, a bit of a panel yeah. team and maybe wouldn't have taken their eyes the ball, but want to give girls a run to keep them, I suppose, hungry and, and try and freshen them up for the latter stages of the league. But even with that said, fair play to Tyrone. Um, and Claire, um, I I can't see Cavan beating Kerry, to be honest, and I do expect Claire to be in that semi-final. And we've been saying it the last couple of the week, couple of weeks on the podcast, Claire are a very difficult team to go down to Claire and get a result against. They're really physical, and they always have a few really, really good forwards. So they'll definitely take brilliant heart from that win today over Waterford, because Waterford would have gone for that, you know. Yeah. Um, so I'd say Claire, Claire will be a very difficult task against Armagh if, if that happens in a semi which I, I do feel it will um, but yeah that should be interesting Right we'll move on to Division 3 and uh, I'm delighted uh, Longford secured their place in the semi-finals with a 13 point win over Wicklow uh, because Sligo defeated Kildare so we needed that to happen Listen Nadine a huge difference in a year last year at Longford were near the bottom they had a point um Leitrim had no point and it was going to down to the final game and Leitrim conceded. Obviously, they dropped to Division 4. Longford could have very easily lost that game and dropped to Division 4. We just about stayed up in a um, relegation playoff in the Intermediate Championship. But I have to say, and you know Enda, um, Enda Sheridan has just turned Longford around completely. He said at the start of the year the aim was to get to the semi-finals and they've achieved that. Yeah, and it's brilliant and you know, it does show, and I do feel in, in ladies football, you know, in a Division 2, a Division 3 team, if you get any kind of organisation behind it, you get a feel-good factor, you have your aims and your goals and you set a plan. It's it's very easy to start getting results and building momentum, and that's what ended. Ended definitely would have gone in with all that. He would have been organised. He would have had a plan. The girls would have seen that he's doing this for all the right reasons, so they responded. And obviously with that, you need a few good footballers as well, you know, and a bit of team mm. spirit and Longford have that in fair play to them because you look where Leitrim are now. Leitrim are second yeah. and third bottom in Division 4, so that could easily be Longford. And here they are, you know, contesting, possibly going to Division 2. Um, and they had to win that game, you know, between themselves and Wicklow. Um, whoever won, really, yeah. getting that that fourth spot so fair play to them um, and Wicklow as well you do have to give them a mention they had a solid league and um, they'll probably be happy enough with that I'd say as well you know finishing fifth um, and going into the Leinster Championship Yeah it's going to be a very good Leinster Championship one thing long for done today Katie and you mentioned it with Donegal giving young players a chance um, and that's what End has done it's a very young team and you know you might as well use the league to give them that opportunity Yeah exactly like there's it's great to see a team like Longford coming through the ranks as well, that there's a, a freshness and there's new teams coming through. Um, girls have to get a chance. That there's no there's no point going through the full league and coming to championship and throwing someone in at the deep end. Um, there's there's far too much to risk at that stage of the year. So it's it's nice to see girls getting a chance and and if they if they flourish within the team, then it's great and and it brings that bit of bite then of training for everyone else to make sure they're fighting for positions. So it's great to see um, that youth coming through, and I suppose they're going to be playing in, in the future when the rest of us retire. There's a few pushing on now, so <laughs> we need the younger girls coming through. Um, so it's great to see the young talent. And uh, Nadine Mead's 100% record ended. They lost to Down. Well, they'd already secured their league semi-final place a few weeks ago. Roscommon had a great win over Offaly and Offaly were relegated while Sligo, as I mentioned, beat Kildare. So the semi-finals are Meads versus Longford, which is going to be a very tough affair. And then Sligo, Roscommon. So you should have two good semi-finals. Yeah, good competitive semi-finals for sure. I'd imagine Enda will have Longford well prepped 
they're going into that game with absolutely nothing to lose Close, against yeah. Meade because I'd imagine like Meade's aim this year was win that league, get back to Division 2 and I'd say, you know, they are aiming to win a championship as well. Um, Sligo versus Common will be a cracking game, I'd say. Sligo have just built and built and they seem to be getting stronger every week. Um, I'd say Meade probably will edge Longford yeah. um, and I think Sligo possibly could edge edge risk common um but two crackers yeah they will be very competitive games all right down in division four uh katie i tell you the ulster counties are, are doing their bit you've got fermanagh and antrim are both in a league semi-finals obviously positionings need to be sorted out because now they're playing fermanagh yeah. next weekend so it's great when you look across the different divisions it's great to see the ulster counties doing well yeah definitely is um, it's great for Ulster football and I suppose that comes from the grassroots and the work going on in clubs and stuff and for man I've been there and thereabouts every year there's, there's yeah. always a mention of them and it's great to see the talent coming through and those and those counties that are playing in a lower division and, and that makes the thing more competitive um, so it's great to see the Ulster counties doing well Nadine, I think we put the hex on poor old Carlo because they missed out on the semi-finals yeah. they were beaten by two points um, by Antrim Kilkenny, you know, we spoke several times about it. Kilkenny had to concede their game against Fermanagh. Yeah, Limerick had a good win over Leitrim and then Louth easily defeated uh, Derry in those games. Yeah, you know, speaking of Carlo, even though they didn't make that semi-final spot, they had a relatively good league and that's on the back of, you know, Michael, you know, winning that junior um, or getting to that junior All-Ireland. And um, I'd feel, you know, Antrim, I could see Antrim causing a bit of a surprise in the yeah. semi-final um, whoever they meet um, they're tipping away nicely there and as Katie alluded to like the Ulster Championships have always been very competitive be it senior yeah. or intermediate or even junior um, there's never been a huge huge gap and any team and I expect Tyrone, Tyrone to do the exact same this year any team who's won an intermediate they've slotted straight in there to that Ulster Championship like Donegal Katie you remember when you guys came up initially it took only took you a year or two to be competitive Cavan yeah, would be exactly, the same yeah. yeah so and as you said it is all down to the underage and it's the structures like the LGFA went around different counties and different provinces and put in structures and Ulster have definitely taken so much on board from headquarters I suppose and it's showing now in their senior team so it's great to see. You're on about uh, youngsters and what I'm noticing more and more compared to previous years young girls getting an opportunity to play at half time in games which is fantastic like I've seen young girls today in Longford having their chance of playing in Pierce Park for them you know it's it's the headquarters of Longford GAA so to get their chance and they were loving it and it's a brilliant thing to do for young players to just give them a chance to play in front of a, a bit of a crowd Yeah it was the same in our game actually there was um, a load of underage girls out the place was covered in children today running about and, and they love that as well and they love um the crowd cheering them on as you say and, and seeing probably their idols it was the, the, the Galway team playing in front of them like so so things like that really spur it on and really add to the, the effect of the day and it's great for ladies football in general and the progress that's been made Yeah and even last week I was at the, the Donegal match on the Saturday night and then I was at the, the Mayo and Kerry the league final and there were two teams playing at half time of that Division 1 final and one of the teams it was half girls half boys there were a load of little girls playing away with the lads and that was great to see as well you know in a yeah because yeah. I remember a couple of years ago we had girls playing for our underage teams and I tell you they were better than some of the fellas yeah you're 
<laughs> and that's it. And I think we all played with the lads at some point. I think that's how, yes. Being on the street or with your club, and that's where you got your skills. And that's yeah, it. and that was probably the making of a lot of players yeah. in our club. They, if, yeah. if the girls weren't there with our club, our boys wouldn't have had a team. Half well, there of our you go, yeah. Up, yeah. And it was brilliant for your for your own development to get stuck in with the boys. You, you learn far more, so. Yeah, and physically even as well, I think, because you do see a lot of crying off now underage. You do see it, like, but yeah. back then, so you were stuck in with the boys, and if you got a knock, you got a knock, and that was it. You just got exactly, on. Exactly, yeah. So it was brilliant. Katie, we're going to grill you now. Actually, we're not. We're just going to have, we're, go, we're going to have, we're going to have a chat with you. <laughs> right, um. We were just talking earlier on about uh, Donegal and young players and you've lost a lot of players from last year. Lots of young players coming in and as I said, you know, giving them the opportunity to play in the league. How are you finding that mix of experience like yourselves and then the youngsters coming in? Um, I think it's brilliant actually. It's brought a great um, vibe to our training. We were, the team probably from last year would have been the team we've had for the last five or six years um, and it was kind of the same team rolling every year and, and with the big change this year there's been so much freshness coming in we, we were the ones kind of feeling a wee bit isolated because <laughs> all the young ones knew each other and there were so few of us um, but listen they bring such a good positive vibe they've no cares in the world we the older girls analyse everything and we overthink everything and, and these young girls are coming in and don't know what to expect so they've no worries they don't know the big name players and they're going out and playing games and we'd be talking about the players and, and it doesn't bother them because they don't know who they are and, and which is great because they can go down and play with confidence and, and not be stressing about things like that and they've settled in really well they're getting on brilliant um, the youngest girl there Megan Ryan is 16 mm. and um She's doing great. Like she's a great athlete. She's a great runner, and uh, she's settled in seamlessly. And so it's brilliant. Like I know, obviously, there's there's some of them girls that we'd love back and would strengthen up our panel and the depth of our panel. But listen, the girls had the girls had plans, and the commitment that we gave the year before, I suppose, was mm. was more commitment than we've ever given. Um, despite all the years we've been playing, and we've put in a massive shift, and it was just time for some of them to to take a break and take a step back and. You can't really hold that against them. They've given the guts of probably six to eight years of their life to senior football, so um, they just needed their time away, and and that's we just need to get on with what we have. And and the girls are working really hard, so so we have to just run with it. Yeah, and it's funny, Katie. Like when when people step away or they're thinking about stepping away, you think. God, like, how will we cope without them? And, you know, even say players been injured and you think, God, you know, yeah. what will we do? But it's incredible. The show actually does just go on. Yeah, you, and you have to get on with it. Like, yeah, and people step up. Senior players who are still there step up. And then you find these younger players who possibly mightn't look or play as good at underage, but then when they're blended in with that experience and with that talent around them, they're even better players at senior level. And exactly, you actually, yeah. You come to find, you know, they, they just fit in seamlessly. But a question I suppose I'd have for you, you know, in terms of the younger players, I know I would have struggled myself as a younger player with a game plan, like, and now the game plans are so technical and it's, you know, it can be complicated. Do you think that maybe the younger players, that's one area that they might struggle with? It mightn't be continuously, but it might be at a certain point in the game that they forget the game plan or they're not sure of it. Yeah, well, I think it's probably, um, since Maxi comes in, has come in, it's obviously got very um, tactical and herbal yeah. and, and stuff. And 
some of the senior girls themselves um, struggle to deal with some yeah. of that. Um, <laughs> so we can't blame it on the young ones. But I think um, for them, their experience, like they've been used to going out and just playing a game of football, I would say there there had been very little of that at underage and we would have very rarely heard of game plans and tactics and stuff. So mm. for them coming in then to be kind of overloaded with that and video analysis and stuff was probably tough for them and, and everyone's sitting there nodding like they know what's going on and until you go out to the training field then you see. Um, but they're taking everything on board. They ask no questions. They're they're taking it all in and, and they're doing their best and they're fitting in quite well. It's not... It wouldn't stand out that they don't know what's going on, like, and and they're putting in a good shift as, as well as everyone else in the team, like. So I think gradually now, as the weeks go on and they see a wee bit more and get that feedback through the video, um, and yeah. they're really taking it on board, and and it's a learning process again for them. They're young kids, like, and and it's yeah. great to see how quickly they've developed and how quickly they've they've taken everything on board, which is obviously brilliant for our development in the future. Um, so. Listen, it's hard for, for everyone. Some people have, have such a good knowledge of football and have that football brain and will get these things that wee bit quicker. Um, but it's massive at this, at this stage and at this stage that we're playing on. Um, the tactics and all has become such a huge part. So huge. you yeah. kind of need to, you need to be able to, to take it all on board and, and to adapt your game yeah. for it because otherwise you're not going to survive. Yeah, it's mad with your sessions now, your week, say, like, it's gym, it's pitch, and then you're spending an equal amount of time on, as you said, video and tactics and what have you. It's incredible how that has really progressed, I think, across the ladies' game. Only in the last probably five or six years that things have become that technical. And as you said, like Maxie is, is probably one of those coaches who really goes into that, um, which I would feel is so important. I think you can just learn so, so much upon reflection. Um, and it's great that those kids are being exposed to it at such a young age. You know, so can you imagine them now in five or six years being exposed to all that? So it's brilliant, it's brilliant. Yeah, because even like some of us senior girls, it might have been up until maybe two, three years ago where we have kind of seen that. And you look yeah. back at things now and you're you're playing your club games and you're wondering why people are doing things that they're doing. Yeah. And it's because it's been drilled into you so much then and you're you're wondering how we managed to cope without seeing it before and, and how much yeah. our game has developed from it. So um, it yeah. is a massive part. No, and that's it. And you always, well, I always wonder now that I'm not playing football. It's kind of like our later years when Athena, we would have been very technical. But you know, I always think back to God, what would it have been like if we had that level of coaching at such a young age? But that's, yeah. you know, things have progressed in different aspects across the women's game. So as the generations have come through, I suppose they've been exposed to different things. So exactly, yeah. But I think an awful lot of youngsters nowadays. Um, okay, the technical side, not much, but fitness and strength and conditioning, I've noticed it now um, at underage clubs, they're introducing them to it at younger ages and telling them all about it. And so they're they're prepared in that sense for the game. Like I remember when we were playing football, we just knew nothing, you know, you just warmed up and that was it. Whereas now it's, it's a whole science, isn't it really, Katie? Yeah, and now you're nearly knowing too much. We find ourselves now Googling things and wondering, are we doing the right thing and are we going to peak at the right time? And there might be maybe an overload of information, um, but there's a lot of underage ones now are starting to strengthen this and be it even just body weight stuff. And it's hard to kind of know where is the right age to start that um, with youngers, you know, when their bodies are still developing. Yes. Um, but it's something that's it's needed. That's the way the game has gone. And, and probably without it against those senior teams, um, you'd be very exposed. So it's just something that the 
that people have to start doing and people have to invest the time in, which which does eat into your time. Like it makes it, mm. although it's an amateur sport and you're doing it as a hobby, it, it makes it nearly like a full time job. And and that's if you want to get to the top, that's what you have to do. You're in a Division One semi final. I suppose that was one of the aims at the start of the year. Do you have the same aims this year that you had last year, or are things slightly different? Um, well, to be to be honest, we probably didn't expect to be in a in a semi final off the start of the year. Um, mm. I suppose when we sat down for our meeting at the start of the year, was was such a massive change up in the team. Yeah. Um, we probably weren't expecting too much out of the league, which was fine because we knew we were rebuilding and and we knew it would take a wee bit of time. So. So really getting to a semi-final wasn't on the table at all until maybe our first couple of games, um, which was great then to build the confidence of the younger girls. And it's a great place to be now, getting them extra games for, for everybody. Um, but I suppose going forward with the championship, um, we'll be taking the championship like we have done every other year and, and we'd be hoping maybe to get the, the three in a row in Ulster and then see where it takes us on from that. There's no point in thinking, thinking too far ahead and getting carried away. Um, we were... We were brought down a few pegs down in yeah. Cork, so um, that's the way football goes. Listen, it kind of happened the wrong way around for us in the league, and we just need to build now and, and get our confidence back up and get a few performances under our belt before we hit championship. We spoke so many times on this show about having the double headers at various grounds for counties. You had a chance that your league opener was actually against Dublin in Crow Park. You know, to play in a ground like that, obviously it's every girl's dream. But to have it with a double a double header with the you know the All Ireland uh, reigning All Ireland men's champions as well as the the ladies champions, how was it? Uh, oh, it was unreal! It was brilliant, such a brilliant experience. It was probably a better game than the men's one as well. <laughs> yeah, but oh, well, it was a good game, eh? <laughs> <laughs> um, no, we were delighted. Listen, when when we heard it was a double header, obviously we were we were quite nervous going into that. Um, what's the girls been? Yeah, all Ireland champions, and it was quite a daunting lead up to it. Um, but we were just going to embrace the embrace the occasion. There's a few of us we were saying, I have never played in Crow Park, and and I'm turning 30 now this summer, and for those youngers to play the first inter-county game there was probably magical for them. It was probably something they never expected to happen. Um, so getting the one then, obviously, was just magical for us. Like That's, that's a game people will probably never remember. It'll mean nothing in a couple of months, but for us, that was it was just brilliant. Isn't it always like that, though, isn't it, Nadine? There's one game, you know, Casey, please God, that you have a good long year and you can look back and say, you know, remember when we played against Dublin, you know, we beat them in Crow Power. Oh, yeah, and not only did you embrace the game, you embraced football, I thought, that evening, Katie. I thought you were absolutely brilliant. And we spoke about it at length here. It was our first podcast, actually, yeah. this year. And I just thought the football that Donegal played that day was your traditional Donegal football, be it in men's or women's code, you just kicked the ball so brilliantly. Things that were working for you, like Karen inside, you just kept hitting her and hitting her and hitting her. And I mean, you just wiped Dublin off the pitch and it was so brilliant to watch. And as you said, like for your first game, I can't believe that was your first game in Crow Park. I thought, God, I thought you would have played there before. Yeah, I'll hold on to that one. I always thought you were on that intermediate team, you see, back. Yeah, I came in, yeah, but I wasn't playing. I was on the team for the 2010 final. I was walking to the stand. But no, you were absolutely brilliant. And I I said it on our podcast, you know, I think that marker, you probably set that marker for yourself. You may have dipped away from it a wee bit, but I know 
you will have the good things you did there and the things that you did really well you will take that on into the championship and into the latter stages of the league and that will come back to you but what an occasion for Donegal football it was just brilliant but I don't think that's going to be the, the pinnacle of your season I think there's there's better things ahead for you She's not putting any pressure on you is she? Not at all <laughs> I do I do I really do No that's just that's the place where we just need to get back to I think it was yeah. because there was so much built up after that and, and I know like the, the older girls were used to really not taking that on board now and not listening to the media and stuff and people building us up on such a pedestal after that game um, I think that's what building in every week and people talking about you every week and and then Cork hit and then there was nothing and nobody was asking any questions yeah. and do you know it's, it's that's obviously the way football goes but it's just to keep a level head and things like that and, and try and stay composed mm. and that's probably the performance like that is what we're working towards again and probably every year we've probably not really got it right and when we peaked I'd say last year we peaked when we played our man Ulster final and that's kind mm. of something we're trying to we're trying to get that balance right so hopefully that's we'll it. see we'll see more days like Crow Park You're an athlete mentor now with the LGFA what's that role? Yeah um, well I was up for interview there last two weeks ago now it was and it's um, it's actually run through the Youth Sport Trust in collaboration with um, Little and the LGFA and basically it is a programme that is going to be rolled out in schools and post-primary schools in September where inter-county players go in and deliver a programme to mostly the girls focused based on girls and increasing the girls' participation in sport. It's linked with the hashtag serious support campaign um, and just to deliver the benefits of, of staying involved in sport and mostly Gaelic football. And it's actually running now with the competition Little are hosting um, to do with the post-primary school, yes. the gear and the, what is there's gear and they're delivering this program then with whatever schools are being picked. I don't think that's actually been finalised yet. Um, so we, I just got word the Friday after the interview that, that I was selected for that. So I was delighted and um, it seems like a brilliant initiative and it just shows the support that Little are, are having in ladies football and the impact that they're having and, and the progress and increasing that participation in girls is obviously a massive factor in it and they've they've done massive work so far and hopefully this will be a huge success as well yeah because you yeah, know yourself really when you're a young girl Nadine if someone from an inter-county um, team come in to see you you know especially the female getting the faces out there the young girls to see there here's an inter-county player that please god someday you can be a Katie Heron or you can be an Nadine Doherty or whatever yeah well I wouldn't say Nadine Doherty now but um Oh, well, yeah, you know, nice. we could say Diana Hora then. <laughs> you were my hero, Nadine. <laughs> uh, <laughs> no, and, and that, I agree, uh, Denise, that's very important. But say from my own background, uh, like, you know, I'm a teacher um, and I teach in a, a desk school, an inner city desk disadvantaged school. Um, and Dublin, yeah, have won the All-Ireland. If you, I have over 200 kids in my school. If you ask 200 kids um, anything about the Dublin ladies team, they wouldn't have a clue because they're exposed to absolutely nothing in terms of GA. So if this initiative, you know, gets into disadvantaged schools and schools where maybe there's no GA whatsoever, yes. they'll very much increase participation. Um, I think going in, I think that's probably more important and I, I hope that they'd be focusing on that. Um, it's probably more important than going into places where Gaelic football already exists because you probably have your cohort of young girls who are already affiliated to the club 
and they're already yeah. playing football. Um, so it's those kids who haven't had the exposure, and I feel really passionate about that. You know, we do a huge amount of sports in the school. Um, every year that the the ladies are, you know, the, the All Ireland finals are on, I get tickets and I give them to parents. Um, but it's just getting that consistency and getting the girls affiliated to a club so I think it's a brilliant initiative um, but I really hope that you know Dash and Disadvantaged Schools are targeted um, yeah. which, even you know, for the social aspect for kids like that's that, it Katie that yeah. That opportunity yeah, to, um, absolutely. Yeah. yeah and in terms of your role will you be going and giving talks or will it be talks and coaching or a mixture of both or do you know yeah that's it's a mixture it? of both um, based on based on really the schools and needs I think we get a core group of 30 girls that we work with but it's a day long it's a six hour session um, so I think there's going to be some classroom based stuff and then some coaching that, if needed um, with some of the teams so we're training on it during the summer and we haven't really got the full the full detail on it yeah um, but it, it sounded um, the fella was over from England um, doing the interviews with us and and his presentation was brilliant. It made it sound so appealing, like, and, and something that sounded very interesting and, and brilliant for the younger girls coming through. Um, we've never really had many people come in. Like, when no. I was growing up, we would have known everybody and seen them at matches, but you never really had someone to come in to deliver things like that in schools. And it's just, it's massive. Like, the, the everything has been pumped into ladies' football, That's, and yeah. it just sounds like a great initiative. And I'm sure they rolled it out last year, I think, um, Sarah Rowe and... Corstanton and a couple of schools. Kind of like a pilot, maybe. Yeah, yeah, and they yeah. said it went really well. There was great feedback from that. So I think there's 48 schools being selected this year, and based then on, on how it goes, it might roll out for another year. At the minute, it's just a year, the Brilliant. coming year. So um, we'll see how it goes. And in terms of your own job, um, does it overlap a wee bit with that? Or, yeah, you know, so it runs yeah. along the school year. So I'm actually teaching in the north. Um, so it runs along with the the school year starting in September Brilliant. so I've, I'm hoping to go down to a four day week to allow me a bit of leeway um, to have that extra day then to go out um, in the school so every school you visit you visit them twice Brilliant. Um, maybe like over the course of four weeks or six weeks there's actually projects that the schools are going to run alongside it I was students. going to say because that's so important if the staff are on board in that particular yeah, school yeah so that's because I was asking was it going to be consecutive weeks or consecutive days and they said no because this project will be run alongside that you would maybe go in the first week and then leave four to six weeks so you're you're running in collaboration with that so that's obviously this, the schools are going to be invested in that too which is a good um, a good help yeah. Nadine, you were on about the disadvantaged schools. You're involved in that uh, Learn to Lead with the GA and on the PR side. Is that something that you kind of want to push is? Because I totally agree with you because I know people who are in disadvantaged areas and schools. And I tell you, some of them are so talented um, because they're not really exposed to proper Gaelic training or even soccer. You know, I, I just think playing any sport is brilliant, but they're not exposed to that they don't get involved in clubs and that's what you need them to do. Yeah, it's very hard. Well, for my own particular school as we're in the Liberties area of Dublin 8 um, and it's, there's no there's no pitches, there's no green space yeah. um, so it's really hard and I suppose our nearest club would be Kevin's, um, Hurland and Camogie which for most of our kids you're probably looking at a 20 minute walk even longer up to there. Um, which is very difficult for a primary school child, you know, unless the parents are invested in bringing them, it's going to be really difficult for them to go there. Um, Dublin 8, um, 
is massively involved in soccer. Yeah. Traditionally, um, Irish soccer, um, when I would have played myself, there were always a load of girls there from St. Catherine's Soccer Club. So, yeah, in my school, we'd have a huge amount of sport happening. Um, we have a Gaelic team this year. I actually got a past pupil in, um, a girl named Wheelan. I used to teach her. That's how old I feel now. But, um, I got I got Emer in. She's a qualified coach, an FAI soccer coach. So she comes in all day on a Wednesday. She takes all the classes, and then in the evening she takes our little soccer team. So we're just trying to build. But it's like that. We're a creative school as well. So like we embrace the art because like that we're just trying to expose the kids to as much as possible, so that hopefully they find their niche and you know they find something that they're good at and something they enjoy so that they can bring that on then when they go to second level and hopefully third level or you know if it's something that isn't available at third level or they don't need to go into third level to achieve in life then that's you know that is what we aim at but it is it is tough in terms of a disadvantaged school more so in Dublin it's space and it's green areas um, and it's having to walk to training you know and if, if, if you're not brought to training I know as a yeah. child if my mum you know if my mum didn't drive me around the county from when I was 12 I probably would have never played senior for Donegal you know so yeah, parental exactly. support that's really important um, she barely had a car on the road but she'd get me to training somehow you know <laughs> so that, that was the you know that was the realism of it and that's what it is I think parental support's a huge factor a huge factor and it's getting the parents on board and you see that in GA clubs as well as underage and um, we do fault the parents a lot these days for the roaring on the sidelines and what have you but you know they're bringing their kids to training and they're bringing their kids to games and I think that is very very important. Casey you're actually a mother so it's you know being a mommy is a, a, a 24-hour job how do you manage it you know you're an inter-county footballer as well and then also your job? Yeah, um, oh, I suppose, I suppose I get on with it. Um, I have great support from my family. Um, my mum's like, like Joshua's second mum, I suppose. Sometimes she takes over from me, but, um, <laughs> it's great to have that support without it. I wouldn't, I wouldn't be playing probably at this level anymore. And, and it's something that I, I was really driving towards and I had, I had great motivation for. And, and mum was, was a brilliant support to me as was the rest of my family. Um, oh, listen, it's tough at times. There's, there's always times where, where you're just running around trying to get things done and, and you don't get sitting down to 9 or 10 o'clock at night and then you just want to go to bed. But um, when you have such a passion for something, you'll make it work. Like, and, yeah. and I have that for football. And it's, it's Joshua, my family, and my football. Like, that's what I have. So I wouldn't change for the world. Um, and I know there's, there's days where you probably think you've too much on and, and Joshua probably suffers um, more so than anyone else because I'm, I'm away training and stuff. But... But when you have a family that supports you, um, and he's he's happy when he's up here and mum's, um, it makes it work. Like when he comes to the games and he's got a wee jersey with my number on the back, Aww. and he gets involved too. So, um, so it's nice in that way. It's nice to, like obviously, I want to make him proud as well. And when he's there, it's a real nice moment. Mum be saying to me, "Why are you taking him?" Like he doesn't really care that much. And I think I want him there <laughs> more for me than him. Um, but but listen, it's a tired at times. I've may have my training schedule laid out, and and if I start off the week well on a Monday, everything will go to plan, and I drop them up to mum's anytime I need babysitting, and I move nearly back in home weeks <laughs> when I need to, and and listen the support's there. So when it's there, um, 
I can I can do everything the rest of the girls are doing that doesn't affect my game um, so it's brilliant I'm very grateful for, for them for that I have to say I really admire you for that yeah yeah and it's such a great message to send out you know to women and young mother you know I suppose young women who get married young and they might put off having a child because of football or what have you but it's a great message to send out that if you have your life right and you're prepared and you have a support network that you can still play football and to a very very high level and that's what I said up at the the athlete mentor thing like yeah. You could have so easily walked away from it and, oh, and easily, deviated easily. from the plan that you had, like, and and obviously it's something I never wanted to do. And and when you have such a, a love for a sport like that, and and you play with girls all your life, it's something you don't want to give up. And you can manage, like, it's not like every people have busy lives and they have other things that occupy their time. Um, yeah, and you don't realize until you have a child how much time you have when they're not there. Um, it's mad the things you get done then. <laughs> if I have an hour to spare, um, you can get so much done. But but that, that's just, you just need to get on with things. You need to you need to deal with what you have and, and you can fit everything in and it works and you can always find more time. So, um, no, if it's, something you, if it's something you're passionate about and something you really want to work towards, you'll make it work regardless. So, um, it's working out. How did, you fi- how did you find coming back to Donegal, though, uh, for having Joshua? Oh, uh, it's a slow start. I played a season in Donegal. I came in in 2010 and then I, I made my debut in 2011 and played a season. And at the time I thought I thought I was in the best shape of my life in 2011 until you look back at photos. And oh, yeah. You weren't in the best we all, shape at all. We all made that <laughs> Or you wish you, or you wish you were that size that you were in 2011, and not in 2019. Oh, God, I don't know. Um, so I suppose coming back then, I was pretty determined to get back. Um, I went back to finish college, um, maybe ten days after I had Joshua to finish my teaching practice, and um, it was something I really wanted. Like I wasn't gonna, I wasn't gonna waste any time. Like so, I went back in club six weeks later, which was probably. Um, not the best decision at the time um, and I remember playing Terman in the first game and my sister played at the time Mary and she was like oh my god Katie watching you run you're like not moving and I was like Mary I'm trying so hard <laughs> Thinking um, you were flying down the field. Like, I was flying down the field. <laughs> <laughs> um, but off, you just had to put in the extra work yourself. I, I was at home training days after school, trying to get myself back into shape, and and then so the time runs away with you, and, and you're you're back to where you were before that, and you made I've probably been fitter now than I ever was before. So, um, oh, it set you back a while, but but you get back into. I've never had a child, and I'm doing Gaelic for mothers and others, and I'm feeling so fat and lazy just talking to you and they're going oh my <laughs> god this <laughs> oh that's just I'll, I'll be have my sweatbands and everything on me I'll be oh, that's what I want I want to be the next Katie Heron I want to be well fair play to you but isn't it great though you're an inter-county footballer and as Nadine said you're a great advertisement that you know you can play football you can be a mother it can be tough but if you have the right people around you but you know when you move on later on then the scaling for mothers and others that's another fantastic initiative that the GA brought that you know mammies that maybe wanted to play football and never had a chance to play football are being able to do it now yeah, it's brilliant. Um, actually, Dina will know Maria Devaney. She would have played with her. And yeah. We were chatting to Maria one day and she's back at it and she is loving life. Like, and she's, like, she's scoring more than she scored when she was playing back, back in the day. And that's brilliant. Like, Maria has, 
Yeah. Maria was an outstanding footballer, and she still is. She trained with us a couple of years ago there, and she could have fitted onto the team no That's problem. It. And yeah. having that to go back to after, and she's got a hectic lifestyle now, and and that's such a good release for mothers yeah. to get out and into that social surrounding where it's not as competitive as what it is at Inter County level. It's brilliant. It's, um, yeah. What did you say? What not as competitive. Brilliant. <laughs> yeah, but I, 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 I remember going up to the Blitz one time a couple of years ago and refereed out in Port Marnock or I did the sideline or something and it's absolutely wild, like the crack <laughs> and like Devani, Maria there, who Katie would have spoken of, like Maria was the life and soul of any Donegal team she was on. Any, Maria just comes into her room and lights it up but she yeah. relocated from Sligo to Donegal Town so like, you know, she wouldn't really have known that many people in Donegal Town, aside from a few girls she would have played football with. And the Gaelic from Mothers and Others has opened up a whole other social circle for her as well. Um, so, yeah, she's loving it. But it's a brilliant, brilliant initiative. Um, and as you said, there's actually women, I'd say, playing that who've never kicked the ball. Well, in their lives, yeah. Lives. Yeah, and they just love it now. But I don't, I don't think we'd put Katie in that category yet. Oh, her. no, no. I think we'll be, yeah, I think we'll be safe enough. But as you mentioned about Maria... <laughs> Like you mentioned, Maria, um, there's a few girls that have played, uh, one in particular would be a friend of mine that would have played uh, for Longford and won an All-Ireland Junior uh, back in the 90s. And to see her back playing football, she thought she'd never play football again after she retired from it. And she said it lifted her so much. It gave her such a buzz and it really lifted her. And I just think it's, you know, it, it's a fantastic thing to do. And please God, and later on in life, you know, Katie can move on to uh, when she uh, retires gracefully, she can move on to. But that, there's a lot. There's there's a lot of there's a lot of years left on you. Um, oh a big news story. Well, not so much a big news story because it kind of went under the radar a little bit. But uh, Noelle Healy, she made her debut for Morn Abbey the other day. Just looking at the forward line, Morn, it's just it's oh, just know, it's just frightening. It absolutely yeah. is. You know her job, and it's tough. And like yourself, when you have a job and you have to do something like that, you know to have to to move around and and to move clubs, you have to do something like that. Yeah, I know. We were looking at that, and, and there was. There was talk that, that it mightn't go through and we were wondering who and who would refuse Noel Healy obviously. Yeah. Um it's obviously brilliant for them. They'd welcome her with open arms and, and she needs that if she's down in Cork and, yeah. and with the with the work she's in, um it'd be very hard for her to travel home for football and obviously she wants to be playing with a competitive team there. Um I just read there today, I think it was Roisin Feedin has actually transferred to Noel Healy's club in Dublin, Bridget. Oh, she's, right. She's based there for work as well, um, so they've done a, a strip swap. Um, yeah. We're always on the lookout for anyone who wants to transfer up to us. <laughs> you, we, we, we got a few guards back in the day in St. Jennings, I think that was about only uh, for a few transfers. Right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, there's some lovely uh, houses up in Glenfin for anyone who wants to transfer <laughs> up there. <too. laughs> right, we'll do that. We'll, we'll put out uh, an, an advertisement in Sports Talk. Before we go, we on Sports Girls and Sports Talk want to send our sympathies to the family, friends and work colleagues of RTE's Pat McAuliffe who passed away on Monday last. Pat covered a wide range of sporting events and was one of the best in the business. He was obliging and helpful to fellow reporters and was so professional with the people he interviewed and he will be missed by all that knew him. So our yes, Jay, Gariva, Anam, Gila. She just seems to be, you know, each week with the GA, we just we seem to be losing great characters and great people, don't we? Listen, Nadine, thanks as always. And Katie, we could go on all night having, having a 
chat we didn't even get to dish the dirt on or tell us about about Nadine. Is she really your hero or did she slip you a few bob to say that? Not at all. She was up there and I was there. You could watch Nadine all day in their centre half forward dinking around people. Um, she was a great footballer back in her day and, and probably one of the... There was a, her and Debbie Lee and a few of the girls she would have looked up to growing up and she would have played alongside my sister. So it was always great going to watch them. So I'll give her that credit now without, without her having to slip me anything. <laughs> <laughs> I feel so privileged now with one week I have Nadine and then the next week I have Diane and then there's me that played what community games and playing Gaelic for mothers and others but sure we have to start somewhere don't we we're all equals we're all equals I love the way you say that Nadine so uh, listen we will be back again with all the news and views from the ladies GAA stay tuned until then Sloan Gafol.